Hi, welcome to Beyond the Filter, a very special episode of Beyond the Filter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Liz Ryerson, and I'm here with a longtime online slash IRL friend, Katie Kinkle, aka. Do you still go by Monobrow? Um, it's my my artist moniker, I guess, for music. Uh, but sometimes I go as Robobrow. Okay. <laughs> but you know, you can call me Katie. <laughs> And so you're, uh, so you're, you went to school for visual art and you did that, but I know you because of OC Remix, which is a community that we were both in. It's music, video game music arrangements. Video game music arrangements, yes. And, uh, and talking about them and loving original video games and music and just, you know, trying to show appreciation for it. And you were also like, uh, just for, for anyone curious, like, Katie definitely uh, gave me lots of pep talks in times where I was not doing well. And one of the first people that I met um, who I knew online, who I met in person. So, uh, but we can yeah, talk so about Yes, it's a very that. special time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, this, the reason why I say very special episode is like, um, I just was curious if you uh, wanted to talk about like, um, experiences like are some of our maybe mutual experiences or just experiences that you've had with online communities and specifically like you know the dynamics of these communities and then how that also you know goes over into real life and real life relationships and also like how those communities have changed over time like you know from way back in early mid late 90s early 2000s to now but um yeah. Uh, is there oh. any is there anything you want to say about that yeah. to get well, started? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I do. I think I think to boil that kind of thing down, it starts out with what you were doing before you got online. Um, for me, I was just I was very much into video games. I was obsessed with video games from the first time I ever played. Uh, my first game was Joust. <laughs> I, I like Joust a lot, actually. <laughs> I, I loved it. <laughs> and I actually, um, I was so sad because the puppies chewed on the wires of our Atari. And <laughs> oh, my no. grandma tried to, we, we both, we tried to tape the wires back together. Uh, and the, we, we, we kind of blew it up. It made a popping noise. And so it, I didn't, I, I like to say I blew up the Atari, but when I was like five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Already causing mischief. Already causing mischief. Um, she was a wonderful grandma to try to do that for me. Uh, she was born in 1900, so don't be too harsh on her technical skills. Um, she was my great-grandmother, actually. But, um, yeah, I was playing video games, but I had kind of the unique experience that many girls who were into video games in the 1980s, they just had a more isolating experience. It was harder to talk to people about it, harder to get recognized. Like the movies like The Wizard were out and yeah. that Moira <laughs> with, the, yeah. with the Yeah, that was not what I looked like. What's her name um, from um uh she's in a like a uh a fairly well known Rilo Kylie. Rilo Kylie. Yeah. Um Jenny Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, that she I thought she was cool. I thought she was really cool when I was what, ten? I think I was probably around 10 when that movie came out. But I, I think the point I'm trying to say is that I was very much into gaming. 
and I was not very satisfied by my real life experience of, you know, connecting with people. You know, I grew up kind of like on the outside looking in on the video game bond. You know, like the kids would get like the Nintendo Power, but it would be hard for me to speak up about it because it'd be like, you're a girl, you like video games, and it went from that to, you know, more like video games aren't cool for girls, you know, it might be cool for guys, but they have to kind of like the PS1 games because that's when the PlayStation came out, and so it became like a masculine issue. Yeah, that's when games started to get hardcore. (laughs) Yeah, that's when Tomb Raider came out, and we, we, we kind of saw, like, what a lot of the games were appealing to. Um, while I do think that, you know, there were a lot of great games with great messages coming out then, obviously. Uh, it was kind of just like the mask had to appeal to the demographic. And the rest of the general audience was kind of like... Well, yeah, it's, they it's, assumed that you were a certain type of person if you played video games. Like, you were really nerdy or something. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because it's like, it makes me think of, I have gone back and watched a lot of, like, retro game YouTubers and stuff like that. And, well, first of all, obviously, they're almost all men. But the way that they talk about it is very much like, oh, it's the playground. Like, oh, all these things were totally sacred. Uh, like, gaming magazines and, like, these game forums. And, like... I grew up with that stuff too, and you know, I, I admittedly have a different uh, outlook. But I was—I always felt very on the outside of that for for various reasons. But like, um, it's still like looking back, like it's super misogynist and it's like super exclusive. It's very much an exclusive club. Like looking back on all that stuff, and it—it it seems like they're almost trying to. There's this kind of uh, like it's almost like looked at as this like religious sort of experience. Um, yeah, you, and as, as somebody that, I did feel like I was part of the religious experience in my own self. Like, I felt, you know, like, here, here's the thing. I feel like I was kind of there for every step of the way of that experience, but I was kind of just on the outside of the perspective. Like, it wasn't for me, but I was taking it anyway, like I was cheating, it kind of felt like admitting that I liked video games to people was a really big deal. And admitting that I liked video games to people that liked video games was actually even harder. Yeah. Because making it, making that connection with them was more important, which is, it leads towards the online experience, actually, I think. Well, they question your legitimacy, <clears throat> I assume. They, it, it was kind of ingrained, and not not everybody, and not all the time. And sometimes, you know, I had a good conversation, but all in all, I don't really think many people... No, I think it was more that I had a reputation for playing video games in high school, but I never really talked to people about it. Does that make sense? Kind of like, not the best of both worlds, more like the worst of both worlds. So you go online and you're like... I need to talk to someone about this. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is that by the time I got a computer, I was really thirsty to talk to people about video games and other subjects that were that felt like they were forbidden to me, like the forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. And so I was ripe for getting online. In 1999, I got a computer, and I was so happy. I had been secretly wanting one forever. 
um, ever since I was a child. Uh, one of the stories that my parents tell about me uh, growing up is that I went and I messed with the computer at my dad's office and my little sister caught me and she came in and she was so scared that I did something to the computer so she came out and instead of me getting uh, punished, uh, she came out and saved me the punishment because she said, Mommy, Daddy, I know touch the pooter and they started laughing. <laughs> and, and I came out all like guilty acting like I didn't do anything. And, but that so, I really like, had always wanted to be you going. You going on the computer was like even stigmatized. Yeah, it was stigmatized. It was also part of the forbidden fruit. So I used the forbidden fruit to go and talk about the forbidden fruit, <laughs> and uh, it was it was really awesome. I mean, and I don't know if anyone remembers what it was like to be online when it first kind of came around. I know like it was around 1995. A lot of people got AOL for the first time, and before yeah. that, it had been more like for you know, the people in the universities and academia and... Well, there were, there were those, like, uh, Usenet groups and, and things like that. Right, yes, exactly. Sorry, I even had an ICQ account. <laughs> 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 um, which is actually what I used for one of the online communities I went to. I just, I played uh, Ultima Online. And that was the first time I actually uh, played any kind of... Uh, online role-playing or MMORPG at all, and it was insane. I mean, it was just, everyone was just doing whatever they wanted in that world, and I had a feminine name there, so I was treated very much like a female. I, And, I mean, to the point of being hit on all the time and being told that my avatar was really sexy and and getting free stuff, free items from people, and the whole time just feeling like, you know, I'm 17, 18, 19 years old. I don't really know what to feel about any of this stuff. Um, sometimes I would be like, you know, you're, you're just being, you know, kind of creepy. And other times I would just be like, um, okay, thanks for the armor, but... You know, you had to set boundaries, and you had to learn pretty quickly that boundaries need to be set. If you had any kind of female persona online in certain communities, gaming-wise. Yeah, that's uh, um, that's a. Uh, there was actually a game that came out recently, uh, and it's sort of about that. It's called Sybil, um, and um, by Nina Freeman, who lives here in Portland. Um, and it's about her experience. Uh, well, mostly like actually like meeting a guy that she knew online and actually like hooking up with him and stuff. But like, there's a kind of like it's it's all kind of awkward and terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it can be right. I guess it depends on the person. We've all. Uh, I think most people by this point have met or encountered some kind of you know crossover between worlds. Uh, by now, I would think, but back then, especially in the early 2000s and the late 1990s, meeting someone online was a completely different experience. It was, uh, again, it was something that you didn't really talk about with people. You know, if you met someone online, you had a, and you were trying to convince people about it, they would just think about the movie, like, You've Got Mail, <laughs> with, like, Tom Hanks and, uh... Um, 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 what's her name? Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Yeah, Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Yeah, well, it was definitely stigmatized as creepy. Well, 
well the thing was is that when I um I here's another place I joined um besides the Ultima community I joined the AOL community and that place in the early 2000s was ripe with lots of that activity that people were scared of there was stalking there was people all basically all of the dramatic stuff that you ever thought played out played out on those ALL chat rooms plus it was people going like you know age sex location talk to me on webcam trying to what was it uh trying to have sex through their chat mm. and just cyber. text it. cyber cyber sex you want a cyber <laughs> yeah I don't believe I ever cyber sexed but I I don't really think that I was you know that really into that kind of stuff back then or anything like mm. that you know people were <laughs> There, there was a lot of experimenting, though, and people—they really had never experienced that kind of thing before. And I came into it, you know, a teenager, feeling like, in a way, that this that this thing has always been here, you know, with that that kind of thing that a child feels about everything. So even though the internet was this brand new, awesome opening of worlds, I kind of felt like these people had always been there doing this. You know, they'd always been here t- talking to each other, and I was, you know, just brand new to it. Which is weird, because that's not true at all. No, it's not. And I realize that a lot of people kind of feel this way about many things. If you haven't been there before, it just feels like it's been established. It's one of those kind of little tricks we do on ourselves. And, uh, yeah, so you know, looking back on it, no, like, we were all just kind of thrust into there. I was talking to, like, 40-year-old people about their marriages falling apart, you know, about what to do and you know looking back on it why on earth would I be doing that but to me back then it felt like I should be I should be helping this person and trying to give them I wouldn't say advice but something yeah like letting them vent letting them you know but it felt like you went from living your life as a you know a child from the south Everything is, you know, you know, don't speak up to your elders too much. Be respectful. Um, then you go online and you get a glimpse of everyone's worlds of what it's like. And you get to hear about their stories. And they're all quite true. They're all quite sobering. They're all quite real. A little bit too real. It was um, a very, I, I look back on it as a very amazing experience, you know, to be able to be around when that first, you know, happened. When people it's like, were it's like lifting, opening up. like lifting the veil or something it's not like that anymore uh facebook is just not like that anymore yeah uh, twitter's not like that twitter is more like you're jumping into a a stream with a sword <laughs> it really felt like um <clears throat> just a little bit more innocent back then yeah i mean uh, that's that's kind of interesting to think about cuz like facebook you know like really really pressures hard people to use their real names and like will delete their account if they think someone's not using their real name um and like i feel like that adds a lot to the and i mean there there are very like quote unquote practical reasons which is like basically you know we can't make as much money off of this if we don't use your real name that, I mean, right the the marketing and yeah we all remember I, I don't actually we probably don't all remember but i would hope that we remember what it was like to be online before the ads were all over the place. Yeah, and like back then, no one used their real name, or it was very rare for people to use their real names. That it was wasn't a big deal. Like it wasn't. Bef- it was before YouTube was saying, 
hey, use your new, real name, use your real name, stop using your fake name on YouTube over and over. They kept trying to make you change your name to well, who you are. I think there was this kind of association with anonymity online and stuff causing really, like, seedy behavior, which, you know, oftentimes it did. Like, there was, and there was a lot of, like, mean-spiritedness online, on, like, online forums. I mean, we can we can talk about it in a second, but um, I think that, like, um, there was this kind of stigmatized thing that in order for to get more users like uh Facebook especially and YouTube and some of those are really tried to push on the like oh this is just you know you're commodifying yourself as a person and that's kind of the new zeitgeist or whatever as far as like um you know what is culturally people are people are online brands like like YouTubers are are so are huge celebrities now for um for a certain, you know, subset of people. So, and yeah. those people all use their real names. So, like... Your identity has become a much bigger deal, and your identity is now something that um, you give to... Uh, to be honest, I call uh, companies like Facebook and Twitter and all these people kind of like the ultimate gatekeeper companies. You give them your information. You're giving them your identity to... They store it for you, and what's happened is there's been so many breaches of that information storage lately that people have kind of lost trust, and I think part of that is because the entire system of somebody else owning the progression of your identity, um, you know, you have to post in this way on Facebook, you have to have your timeline in this format, you have to do this. When I remember, you know, 10 years ago on MySpace, it was more about the HTML and how you wanted, and, and I remember no one wants scrolling marquees everywhere, but the point is, is that somewhere along the line that was kind of taken from us, and I'm not really sure if we consented to it quite yet, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, why we went from a feeling of playground innocence to maybe in a five-year period, it feels more like... Um, an identity lockdown, like you have to be very careful about who you are online, and it's, um, being someone from around since, like I said, I've kind of been around since uh, the early 2000s online, kind of playing around on this playground, um, I've kind of watched it, and I've also watched kind of waves of different people come online, like, my parents did not come online for a long time, and other people's parents did not, and I eventually watch them go online and start talking to people but they were limited to the format that they use like now the users now are limited to you know reddit twitter facebook whatever facebook groups are part of and you know the algorithms people feel like they're kind of being separated out by those things so yeah i mean the formats of what people are allowed to use i think partially determine uh why we feel this way about maybe more isolated mm -hmm. And online communities uh, that I've been a part of, um, <clears throat> it's very attached to identity, I feel like. So maybe that's why people are kind of unsure now of where they stand online versus maybe maybe the anonymity made them feel more comfortable in that. Maybe even more solid somehow. Mm -hmm. So we know each other from OC Remix, and you've done stuff on that site, like you made music on the site. And so the, the primary thing of that site was that uh, 
people made music they made arrangements of video game music and at the time like at least at the time i discovered it um full like audio arrangements not like like non midi non you know um more like audio arrangements were a thing that were a lot less common on the internet so just the idea that like i could pick up these music programs and do this and i liked video game music i think that was really exciting to me so i got involved um and yeah and y so you joined a, uh, a little maybe a year or so before i did right? yeah yeah but i i came in um the first time i came in was uh probably around 2001 and I know people know this um, I came in under a more feminine Nick and it was an IRC and it was it was okay I mean the first time it was you know I got kicked out and banned they kind of just banned everyone back then um, do, you even, do you even remember why was it just like you had the wrong opinion or you said something that we thought sounded stupid yeah it was like you know uh, uh, I think in the very early times, it was people were banned in a more innocent way, like, you're banned, you're banned. You know, people were trying to be funny more with it, mm -hmm. but if you were new, you still didn't really understand. So it was kind of like more of a hazing kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, there was a lot of hazing in those communities, I think. Yeah, and I actually didn't really mind hazing, you know. I didn't mind that kind of stuff as much because I, you know, I, I like to play around with people and joke with people, but I... I think when I came back, it became more about, like, where people stood, you know, like, what what they were about instead of just having fun. Like, a couple of times, like, as things progressed, it, you know, as, as communities grow, you know. And and so, like, uh, so, so you started using, you started with a, like, a fairly feminine nickname, and then you didn't, like, and then you kind of got I think at one point you. I even used, like, Katie or something. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, at one point, uh, it was pointed out to me that it's basically just people are going to perceive me a certain way, uh, very bluntly, um, that I might be just be getting a certain kind of treatment um, in this environment. When it seemed more volatile, I, I came back, you know, a second or third time, and it just seemed more volatile. Um, this was probably like, in the more the mid two thousands, and. Uh, I um, decided, you know, I had trouble logging into my older name, and so I just changed my name to Monobrow, and uh, I went into the channel again, and this has been this channel that I come to, you know, a few times before, like once every, you know, six months or so, just to check out things, so I like the music, and, you know, try to get to know these people and talk about video games again, and, um, I realized that nobody said anything crazy to me. It was just like I was accepted for the first time. And it was absolutely incredible that it was something so simple as changing my name to Monobrow. And for a good six months, most people did not know I was a woman. And they assumed I was a man. And I actually started after a while to make a policy that I was not going to just deceive everybody and you know because it actually kind of became a problem you know everyone who you know is going to encounter me eventually is going to maybe make this assumption and then you know ask the question 
And it became like kind of like a running gag, you know, another one bites the dust. <laughs> and, you know, that was one of the things I said. And now I kind of realize, you know, like looking back that it was just a very warped, weird way to handle the situation. Um, but that I would kind of just message people or they would find out or someone would actually tell them. It would usually be other guys that would love to tell the guy that mistook me for a man that I'm a woman, they'd be like, ha 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 ha, she's a, uh, she's not what you think, you know, and it would be, ha ha, yeah, the joke's on you, I guess, you know, you gotcha, and it would be just one by one, you know, monobrow is, you know, she's a girl, monobrow's a girl, monobrow's a girl, and, you know, I thought it was funny, I really did, I'm pretty much not a resentful person, I I didn't really feel that way about stuff back then. I uh, I was actually much more harsh on women back then, too. Um, yeah, I feel it, like that's encouraged. It was, and it was kind of like I I didn't necessarily like to give in to the thing, but it was whenever there was a girl that appeared on an online community, it would be kind of like the, you know, the one girl and 20 guys, and you would kind of be one of the boys, you know, like, Mm-hmm. the good old boys type situation and I have this inner uh, resistance to um, appearing this way appearing any way that I feel like is a you know runs into like a stereotype like that like I have an inner just aversion to it but I realize that a lot of people just kind of assume these things automatically and then you yeah. really can't do much about it so you kind of have to work with it so what I was trying to do was just trying to um, slowly kind of help people get over it and also help myself get over it uh, by keeping the keeping the moniker monobrow. I mean, I made the moniker monobrow because I really didn't want to take myself seriously. It was really that I had a fight with somebody a long time ago about how the word was unibrow <laughs> and well yeah because when i hear monobrow it sounds like um like the automatic uh, assumption is like awkward geek dude or somebody somebody who's like it sounds kind of like it has like an ugly quote-unquote connotation to it. right like like some like some bushy like brow and like he's got it furrowed or something and i i kind of I never really actually stopped to think about what monobrow meant to anybody else because, you know, I'm just, until, you know, I, I went and searched monobrow and I saw monobrow.com or monobrow images of like, just, I mean, if you search monobrow, it's pretty funny. <laughs> so like, you know, I, I imagine that there's plenty of things that pop into people's head and definitely not, you know, a woman. It was the first thing, definitely not. Probably not even in the top ten list at the time. You know, just of like what person I would look like. Mm-hmm. You know, everything, all the other types of men. You know, a bearded guy or an old guy or a young geeky guy. But yeah, it was it was interesting. And to to be honest, I didn't really like. I said I didn't begrudge anything. I thought it was pretty funny. But now looking back, I realized that it was just a another opportunity I had to kind of be since I was kind of like on the outside a little bit. I had a unique perspective of a lot of these things, and uh, there were a lot of people that did not know. They judged me. 
differently on the bases from one point to another. I would have basically someone talk to me, think I was a man, and then they would find out I was a woman, and then they would actually hit on me. They would find out my, you know, my ALL screen name, and they would message me, and they would be like, so can you send me your webcam pictures? Do you have any pictures? Like the whole tone of the conversation would change 180 right away. And, you know, it, I thought it was ridiculous. I thought being online was ridiculous, that people were just, they would go there. Yeah. So, so you made music on OC Remix too. Like, when did you get into doing that? Well, um, was, it, was it your first introduction into making music? Because, like, you went to art school at some point. Yeah, I went to, I went to art um, college, and I kind of tried to get into remixing and music in the early two thousands, but it didn't really work out. Uh, there was a while I was just kind of too afraid to ask anybody, you know, how to do it. And I kind of looked up stuff, and I asked friends. I had a friend who was going to give me cakewalk. He kept talking about how he was going to get me cakewalk, Which and that's like, what he called a, it. A, like a MIDI sequencer. Yeah, and that was one thing I was, you know, I was, I had been longing to do music, and I had actually been playing, um, you know, video game music on uh, the piano at home, you know, not not like a, not like great or anything, but you know, by ear, yeah. tinkering around. I, you know, I had learned a lot of stuff, and I can still play some of these songs, and you know. And I'd also been, you know, recording video game music for myself on, you know, the TV with, I actually I figured out you could, um, you could take the input of my headphones and I would tape them to the, uh, the speakers of my TV. And I had this whole Final Fantasy uh, VI tape, double-sided, that <laughs> I listened to, like, every night. And, um, yeah, so... Uh, you know, it was very much on my mind to eventually do this. I did uh, have, my mom got that Voyetra MIDI thing in like 2001 and I messed was that, around. Was that a, a program or was Yeah, it was a Voyetra, I think, MIDI sequencer. Okay. I don't really remember, to be honest, but I'm pretty sure it was called Voyetra. I can probably look it up. But anyway... Um, I tried to do um, the Secret of Mana intro, you know, the Fear of Heavens, and I ended up listening to it later, and uh, I thought I had used a suspended cymbal, but it was like water sounds. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, a lot of my sounds were like bird calls, and I thought that they were like, uh, you know, tinkly triangles or something. It was just really cute. Yeah, Voyetra, I think, is what it was called. That was a really funny thing in like back in the day where you could take a MIDI and then just assign uh, really goofy sounding instruments to it. Yeah, and it depended on how I had a really really crappy uh, probably sound sound card at the time, so it, everything probably sounded very similar. Whereas you know someone who had a much better one would have like you know frogs. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it it um you know I'm, and I'm not I'm not a MIDI expert, so please. Uh, be don't don't be harsh on me here. I'm, anyway, I'm not really a MIDI expert either, so don't worry. Yeah. So I, but anyway, I had a little bit of experience, you know, trying to uh, transcribe by ear. Uh, I got into OCRMX very slowly. Eventually, uh, someone gave me a copy <coughs> of Free Loops, and I started to try to make my own. Uh, but I never really released anything to anybody or showed it to anybody much. Only just a few people. I was pretty very I was very private with my music, mm -hmm. um, 
actually I don't regret that. So, so you made it you made it on your own you just didn't share it with anyone for a while. I actually never really ever asked anyone for help because I was I felt that it would make me seem like I was you know I should you know, I shouldn't do that like you know I so it was it was a hard path for me to learn you know how to use the music software and did, how to did you feel like there was a lot of gatekeeping about like you know knowledge in it like you know if you ask somebody they'd be like well why don't you just google it or whatever or yeah yeah it was it was not necessarily against women per se like it wasn't just like you know you're a woman and you're going to do this in fact if you're a woman you might be like you know there'd be a lot of people trying kind of to just trying you. to really help yeah, yeah. exactly but it was the, the general feel was that yeah it was you need to know, and if you don't know, then you suck. And if you suck, then you need to prove everyone that you don't suck. And uh, how this this is how like, this is how you uh, you don't suck. You go and get this, and you do this, and you suck it up and try to be better. And that was pretty much you know the mentality. It was yeah. So that was definitely my experience too. And I and that was across the internet, not yeah. just communities that I was going to. But I think that's like a pretty universal experience of a lot of like uh, online creative communities, especially the ones that are of a certain size. Like I know people who were in communities that were not that way, but like um, I felt that experience of like there's a certain threshold, like people want to achieve some, some level of professionalism or something like this. Uh, and because they want, you know, they want it to be serious. They want it, you know, people to take them seriously. Because a lot of people who are joining these communities, maybe they have like kind of low self-esteem, and they don't. Yeah, have a lot because of they've been isolated for so long, and then they go join these communities, and then it's, it's like this is the chance to finally talk to people, and so everyone's so defensive about what they want to talk about. You know, they just it means so much. I, I totally understand that. You know. Yeah, but the, there becomes these sort of expectations on like if there's a certain thing that's popular, you're expected to do that kind of thing, and I think what's popular usually depends on like in that community. I got a lot of like. If somebody thought that you were a really skilled musician and like not really skilled at production or anything like that, but if you were really like able to play the guitar really fast or something like that, or play the piano really fast or something, then people would think you were a god and like, you know. Yeah, you know, and I, I was really impressed by the stuff like that too. Like I, I am not a live musician, so <laughs> you know I have to admit, you know, every time I heard someone play something like live and do it really well and just. I don't know. I just I feel like maybe I was just really trained to respect that, but I also just it tickles my insides. I love music, so. But I but, think I, I think there was kind of that sense that like live music was real music and then other stuff was not or something. Yeah. Well, there was all there was a back and forth about that kind of stuff. Uh, I think what it was is that everyone was clamoring to have a rule set about what they thought music had to be, and so there was always just like. The stuff that was the outlier pieces always had to be legitimized somehow. And uh, music as a whole, since it was a scene where uh, the whole scene felt like it needed to be legitimized somehow from you know the general public, maybe the answer and why you know or there became a filter in the first place as to what can even be on there, you know, is you know is the right response to that. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's what they needed to do to adjust to the real world expectations, maybe. 
Yeah. Well, it, it is weird how expectations changed in that community. Because at least when I joined, I was sort of getting on the tail end of the community being smaller um, and there being a little less rules. But then around when I joined, there started to be more rules because I, I joined because I discovered it through John Romero's website, um, at John Romero, the game designer. Um, and he posted about a <laughs> remix, and I was like, oh, my God. So I joined. And then at right. around the same time, it was in EGM, Electronic Gaming Monthly. Uh, so there there was, like, people – and there were people in the community who were like, oh, the EGM people are awful, you know. Like, like the, there was a spike in people joining the community. And, you know, it's a big enough community to where that stuff makes a difference. And there were, like, different spikes, you know, different levels of, like, when people would join or something or people would right. discover it. Um, that's true that is true i feel like people started to get a little bit more like i mean once something started to become popular they started to get more territorial about specific things and there started to be a lot more fights about what this thing should be because it started to get bigger and like you know game musicians or game composers like would come and like do their own remixes and stuff so it started to get some level of recognition which caused people to like fight really hard over like defining what this thing was yeah i i was you know um i was thinking about one of the things that i've noticed with a lot of the the infighting in the gaming community in general and this was one of the things that i feel like was one of the things i saw people fighting about back then too was who had the biggest aspirations who had the biggest hopes and dreams to become the thing and what that thing was you know it was it was almost like an armor you know that it led towards so many things like you know legitimizing yourself and legitimizing yourself maybe towards you know society a bit but also your peers you know like have getting the the software getting the the giga samples or giga samples <laughs> <laughs> i still i still joke about giga samples and i think no one like gets that joke anymore but like there was that attitude that like certain people in the community had where it was like you need to use high quality samples or you're not anything and like at the time that was giga samples i guess but they were really expensive too so yeah, and I was using, like, free stuff where I was downloading stuff on a 56K modem for, like, hours and trying then, to get this piano sample. Yeah, so that was, a, that was a problem. And then people would pirate stuff and, like, but then, but, uh, like, piracy was very, very frowned upon. You were supposed to buy stuff legitimately, which, of course, favored people who had money. And of course, I don't really think most of those people really, really bought. Yeah, but and most yeah. people pirated and, stuff and lied about it and like shamed other people for saying that they had pirated stuff yeah and that's that's another thing too is that um i think you know maybe it's you know the problem is is that you know everything on the internet eventually kind of it, it came down to I don't know if everyone had the foresight or thought about it that way, but it's all so pretty much, you know, like the Great Plains and everyone's settling and they're putting their flags down. And, yeah. And true. you look back at on like that. I don't think everyone really planned it to be that way, but that's what's happened. Um, everyone's, you know, what they stand for and what their, their websites stand for and, you know, what they think, it actually gravitates, you know, towards uh, their politics and... Um, you know, how they view, I think, the way uh, the world works or, you know, how people should, you know, how much people should have a say in the internet and what, 
what is run. I mean, I've, I've seen different communities, you know, like there were, I was never really part of them, but there was like this something awful forums where you had to pay money. Yeah. So the, the guy that I talked to, um, and that wasn't like that in the beginning, but his adjustment was you had to pay money. Yeah. The guy that I talked to on, uh, uh, like just recently, uh, doc future, he was part of the something awful forums, like, and that's sort of the community that he came out of and, like, that watches his videos now. And it was very, like, this kind of weird nihilistic humor thing. I was part of a a forum um, that was a spinoff. <laughs> I wasn't really part of it. I just got I randomly joined because somebody else I knew joined. It was called Hell It Is A Forum. <laughs> and... and um, I think that was probably the best forum I've ever been to in my life. And that's all I'm going to say about that place. <laughs> but um, That is yeah, that's interesting. Well, I, I should say also that I had the exact same reaction to something awful. People were like saying how great it was. And I was like, I'm not going to pay to join. Like, why do I need to do this? Right, right. I never, I, I have this thing about paying for a lot of things on the internet in general. I don't know why. I Actually, no, I do. I I am not one of those kind of people that really pays a lot for the poster I put on the wall kind of person. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and I think a lot of that on the internet is kind of about that. You know, it's ident identity. It's all about identity. So, you know, uh, that's one of the things, like I said, like I have a problem kind of with the way um, Facebook and everything is gone because the format, they're formatting it all for you. And, I find that I can't really do any of the th cool things I want to do. I can't make the lists I want to make and sort out my life the way I want for people to see. They see what um, is being determined as popular, you know, like what they yeah. think. And it's, I've actually missed out on like wedding posts and some like, babies because of these algorithms. Yeah. It's less and less creative and more and more passive. It's It's become like kind of watching TV. Right, yeah, and you're not the the control of of what your identity means to you is kind of it's all been kind of watered down, and I think at the time during this election, everyone's kind of freaking out, not wanting that because uh what's happened is that, you know they're getting divided down these lines down the center, and they don't really feel like they have any other way to go on this binary um by the way, I'll probably vote for Jill Stein, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been thinking about that as well. I mean, I, to, to be honest, I just this election has been, um, you know, convincing me, like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if America is real. Yeah, it, what what is this? The Great American Experiment. I I don't think America is real. I think, I think <laughs> America is. I think we'd all be better off admitting that America is not real. Uh, America is definitely not what we thought it was. I I would say, but I don't really know exactly what people wanted to think it was. Um, I'm willing to sort it out. Uh, I think a lot of people just really want to talk about stuff now, and um, I'm starting to see. I think that. Uh, Yes, everyone has been very afraid, and there's a lot of turmoil going on and everything, but it still has brought the conversations out that needed to be had a long time ago. Um, yeah. 
Well, because, yeah, I mean, I see so many people talk about, like, you know, there's the one side of, like, oh, we're turning into a fascist country, like, Donald Trump is going to be elected. And then there's another side where pe- where I see a lot of people saying, like, well, you know, you're saying that I need to vote for the lesser evil, and I understand that it's, like, the lesser evil at some level, but also we've been making this incremental sort of argument for years and years, and it's not working. It's not really doing anything, you know? So maybe the, the answer is to not, you know, to do something else outside of the process, you know? And, like, I feel people... I feel like I see people saying that out in the open now, like, who would not be saying that before. It's... I've I've actually come to that perspective in the last couple of years myself. I've I'm not a religious person um, per se, but I do think that that whole you know like when the door is shut, you know God opens a window, that kind of thing. I do believe in looking for uh, the the dodge, if you will, like the jag. You know, looking f- like life kind of comes at you like a wave like ocean it never stops it's gonna at you and you're just gonna be like okay i see this big thing coming what am i gonna do you can you can at least do a couple little things you know you can try to dive under that wave or you can try to like get out of the wave a little bit it's still gonna hit you but i think people feel really trapped and they feel like they only have this thing to do and if they stopped and looked they would realize that they actually have so many more options and it's usually you know their fears that are in the way or something somebody said a long time ago and they were convinced of so if you we just kind of like turned around and you know sometimes the window is facing those things a little bit to be able to get to that perspective so that you can find your way out of this hard situation and that is kind of like what i've felt like with this election too Mm -hmm. so what you said about people kind of sticking inside their bubbles or like needing to have this like one thing it makes me think of like on a lot of these online communities especially like sort of game gamer oriented stuff there is that kind of sense of like i need to have some sort of identity i need to have this thing and i need to have this thing to hold on to I see this too in like activist sort of communities or, you know, communities or like, you know, people on Tumblr who love like Steven Universe or whatever. Identity. Yeah. They they need to have that thing to identify with and they need to like hold on to it and grasp it tight. We need to have this thing that'll help us in the apocalypse or whatever. And I think that like um, if people were able to like look outside and see like, you know, how many how many different things that they encompass and and can be part of then it's a lot less scary but it's it's so much encouraged by our society and bar by like the way that things are built online um, right and hyper specialized but like so much comparison has been it's it's all a lot of compare a lot of comparing it's a lot of comparison yeah you know, that there's just the underlying comparison all the time yeah the well, presentation and it makes me think of like okay so so after um i graduated from school to to continue with this like uh story about online communities um after i graduated so i was on oc remix i did remixes and um you know was like somewhat part of the community never like 
incredibly active, but like uh, I, I was like respected enough to where I almost became a judge in their community. And like the thing with the judges were that like um, you got to decide what got on and what didn't get on the site, and they had this like uh, you know criteria which were kind of loose that they had um, you know decided right. on and the and panel yeah the panel and the thing with the panel was that it happened because there the site was getting too many submissions and um they wanted to have some sort of quality standard because people were just doing covers so they kind of d made a decision at some point like the midi rip type thing too yeah. like you know where they would just kind of copy and paste the midi information into their audio yeah, program and like video game midis were readily available yeah and it was it, it was you know there there were there were quote unquote standards issues i think i guess and that was, that was it but it became a a panel basically of judged people yeah and like uh, but at a certain point it kind of became hazy like trying to decide um you know cuz it, it, it at some point the criteria was kind of arbitrary so it kind of created what i've heard, had other people describe to me who don't follow the site as like the OC remix sound where it becomes its own kind of weird subgenre where people are kind of dealing with a, you know doing arrangements and and that kind of thing in their own way which is like okay I have this like theme and then I'm going to do like a solo on it or I'm going to do right. this other part or something like that and so you kind of started to see those patterns happening and then it the starts having like a subconscious uh formatting in your head while you're making the song it people would say like you know it's, it's not happening it doesn't affect it but I think that it very much would have affected you know yeah. music making the process it definitely it has affected to. me like I I had a like I had a really thing about being respected because I felt like I wasn't good enough. So I did like this whole piece where it was all sequenced like jazz piano and it was just like so wanky and like it never got on the site because I submitted it and one person didn't like it and I was insecure about it. Uh, so I was like, okay, well I'll change it because I want it to be legitimate. Um, and it just never got on the site. But like, um, at a certain point, yeah, I was going to be on the panel. That never happened because of various things. But basically, the community was sort of tearing itself apart. There were people who had different ideas uh, about what the site should be. I guess that's a what, good way to say What the standard, I guess, should be or where the direction should go. And there was a lot of infighting. And there had always been infighting, apparently, you know. And there had been, like, there was the exodus before all that. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was I was kind of like one of those people that was just like watching from the outside as people were, and you know I was one of those people that I just kind of was just around enough to kind of get a gist of what was going on for the most part, but yeah, I had a very unique perspective for the first I don't know eight years of involvement. Mm -hmm. Until until I started dating one of those judges, basically. <laughs> yeah. So what so what happened is somebody who I knew pretty decently, although I, we were not like super good friends, but he was always like supportive of me, even though. But he had this huge reputation of being a troll, and um, you guys at some point like through very strange circumstance. Well, I guess everything is very strange circumstance. He sent me a modded Xbox. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 all right, no, just, I like to say that, but no, um, uh, it was very, all right, so he had a reputation, and I 
you know, he just every, every once in a while talked to me and we just started talking and it was very innocent. I got to know him for who he is instead of um, basically for who Ari is, for, you know, like what kind of person he is instead of what I think people perceived about him, thought he was, you know, because, yeah. you know, you ask anybody, they have something to say. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, like it's a, it's better to find out for yourself, you know, and that is one of the kind of the things that draws me to people in general is that I like to talk and find out who people really are. And yeah, maybe well, you know, sometimes that gets a little bit too close for comfort. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it's so it was the thing of like um, he had this reputation of being an instigator and he had a lot of people thought that he had a lot more power than he did in the community. And he was very much like, LOL, shut up, noob, and that kind of stuff. And you yeah. never knew when he was being serious or not. Yeah, and actually that was like what I detected pretty much. The Internet kind of slowly turned into that. It went from... It really went from, you know, a bunch of people, uh, you know, even in other countries or like in Canada, idling on IRC and just talking about, you know, this convention that we're going to go to and, you know, just this video game. Like it was brand new to um, to culture. It became a culture. It became, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> there were people joking about like things on the forums about like what what age they were in and the old, good old days you know things started yeah. becoming jokes and then the memes started happening and then yeah that that was new and so like to continue that story like i so i was going like early to mid 2000s i was going to be on that panel or potentially i was being considered and i didn't get on partly because i had associated with people who were kind of disgraced from that community and that community was i mean there were a lot of reasons it's not like important to get into but it was like sort of my creative outlet because i also kind of grew up in the middle of nowhere like and so i didn't really have much going on so it was very like yeah you were like me in ohio yeah yeah because you were in ohio for a while too i was place. for like for like half of it yeah i i definitely understand Ohio, that what it what can be like to be <laughs> <laughs> from Ohio. Yes. Yeah, Ohio's kind of kind of just bland. But um, so like uh, after a certain point, I had to go to college, and I just quit like that community. I was like, I'm done with this. Like, I don't feel like my creativity is being supported by this community. I want to make what I want to make. I don't want to make what these people kind of expect me to make. Right. And I have like a real life that is going to help with, you know, this. And and then I went to college. I had a pretty bad time at college. Like uh, and I went to a quote unquote good school. I tried to get get into the music program and that didn't work. And like a lot of other stuff. But by the end of college, like a lot of things had changed. Like I had started transitioning and like, um, you know, a lot of other things happened. And that's when around when I started talking to you, actually. Yeah. And so I graduated. I was going through a lot of stuff I had no idea what I was going to go to my life uh, do with my life I was broke and so I was like staying with a friend I was like just bouncing around everywhere like staying at a bunch of different places and um at some point you messaged me and uh y and and then somebody else from that community um this guy Sam messaged me 
and they were like, oh, hi, like, you know, and we hadn't talked for at least a couple years, but I had, be- had not really been part of that community for, like, four years plus, and, like, all of a sudden this thing was a thing now, like, somebody that I knew from that community was getting really successful composing for indie games, and and that's what got me back into the community, and that's what also got me you, and especially you got me to go to MAGFest, which happens in... DC, near DC every year and now is like a big convention but that's the kind of regional meetup that everyone from OC Remix and other places would go to. Yeah I actually um, it was actually you know there was like a certain half demographic that went to MAGFest and there was all the other people that would make fun of everyone who went to MAGFest and to be honest it was really just because you know like everyone was just I think insecure about what it meant to be a nerd on the internet and go to these things and you know, I just remember how we used to talk about it. But eventually, people said, hey, you know what? You guys should go. We really want you to go. And everyone's really cool there, and everything's really fun. And uh, it just won't be like the internet. And I said, you know, like, of course it won't be. I've, I've, you'll find that, uh, well, I found that, you know, like, a lot of the people that I got along with online, I didn't necessarily get online uh, along with in real life as well. And then, you know, some people, it just, right away we're just like talking just like we always were and it just really depended and it's just the, the point is is that it is still a separate thing you can't necessarily uh going into thinking it's the same pool um that you're going to be able to talk to this person just exact same way like you were in text yeah well i mean i think i had that sense so when i went to that first magfest and i met you and ari uh, and are you going was like a really big deal, right? <laughs> well, um, I, I guess you know, to some people it was. I I actually didn't really expect it to be, and in some ways, I you know, some people really just wanted to like, you know, see this guy who had just gotten a lot of people like gung ho about stuff and you know, riled people up and. Um, to be honest, like, I had been always been one of those people that, you know, um, I'm not a big fan of things. You know what I mean? I, I'm an observer. I love things. I love things. But I, I don't like to, um, you know, when, I, when I'm going to talk about your, your music or your how you are or something, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, hard, it's harder for me to express what I truly feel. I can't just go like, you're the best thing in the world. I'm, yeah. I really love it. You know, like that's not something that I can do mm-hmm. necessarily. So I think it gets in the way of a little of the communication. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone can express themselves that way, I guess. So, so when we went there, um, uh, I met you guys. I think there was that sense that like everyone was almost almost everyone was nicer in person than they were in real life because there was that sense of like, oh my god, the silly thing that we've been part of that like seems like such a niche thing. All of a sudden, we're all of a sudden all these names that just like kind of permeated around my high school years are people, and I'm seeing them in the same building as me. And there was that like really surreal just experience, and it was uh, ultra weird for me too because I had just started transitioning, and my former name was like you know the op- of the opposite gender, and so I felt like reticent to tell anyone who I actually was. Right, right, y- and you know what you uh, people like you and me we had a little bit more I think 
um, going to that kind of stuff. A little bit more to be wary about. A little bit more, I say, baggage to to have. You know, because people, we weren't sure about what people would think about this or that. You know, and but I not everybody had that. Yeah, and I definitely fell <laughs> out with some of the people who were there, and there was definitely some awkward interactions. But for the most part, it was really positive the first time that I went. Yeah, and well, the thing is, you guys all get caught up because you realize also that. Just because you were a witness to drama or there was drama, everybody there, not everyone has gone through that kind of thing. And they're there to have fun and just have a good time. And, you know, they're bringing their goodwill and their good nature to everything. And if you just make the experience about um, having a good time with them and not about yourself and your drama, you know, um, you can, for the most part, I think work with it. I mean, there have absolutely been times and things have gotten too real or too much or abusive situations and definitely at conventions and definitely at these kind of things. And, you know, I've experienced my own like versions of these things. But um, the whole point is that as long as you're uh, able to kind of be honest with what your expectations are and... Um, people then you can kind of open up and then other you can kind of see that other people are enjoying themselves for the right reasons and that that's what people do when they party have fun do anything go to enjoy a convention go to celebrate video game music or play video games together or um just find somebody that they can talk to about something because not everybody has that kind of connection and I realized that a lot of people found that to be very valuable, which is well, what I my point was in the very first part of this thing, which is, you know, I was looking for that connection, too. Yeah, and I definitely found that connection. Like, but it, I think it, like, and maybe it was the same way with you. Like, after a certain point, it was like, uh, okay, I have this thing, but there's a lot missing here. Like, um... I don't know. Just I like any friendship, you have to, like, you know, it's based on something. You have things in common. And communities, you have friendships with communities, just like you have friendships with people, you know. Like, yeah. we're all, it's all entities, you know. If we're calling corporations, <laughs> just kidding. Well, well, well speaking of, uh, like, corporations, I don't know. So, so the space, like, after a certain point, like, the second year I went, also I had a good time. And then afterwards, I moved to the West Coast and, like, started to get involved with stuff. And I kind of realized, like, people became – things became more successful. Games became – indie games and some of the chiptune communities became more mainstream. MAGFest got bigger. Like, these events got bigger. Certain people from OC Remix got pretty famous within – you know, they became fairly famous game composers. And maybe they made a lot of money. Not like, you know – it was, a, it was a smaller number of peop people, but, um, and those people, you know, were all over. And then <laughs> there became this thing where it's like, it feels like, um, and I got less of this experience because I hadn't been to MAGFest since, like, you know, after, after this stuff started becoming really big. But, like, um, I feel like there's a sense now of, like, when you first joined, um, people were very like um it was just kind of nice to see anyone in person people were uh more willing to put stuff aside and put grudges aside because it's all like you know in the end it's like we all like this kind of silly thing but 
But once the money becomes involved and once like branding and like fame and all that kind of stuff, people are way less willing to drop stuff. And there's a lot more weird tension and unresolved things <laughs> because there's jealousy about that kind of stuff. And so people become almost corporations. People become brands that are larger than life. And it becomes hard to exist in that space where you're all just people anymore. And I feel like that's sort of what ended up happening. in that Identity space. again. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. And then it comes down to, again, the what is your identity to you? And is your identity now a product? And in a way, that's what's kind of happened with the internet in general. Um, because it's, you know, your job, your your hireability, your, your all that kind of stuff. It seems to all kind of lend itself towards that direction now these days. I, I find it to be like... Um, that maybe in the past that we we might have maybe sold the golden goose somehow and just not realized it. You know, we've... Is that a saying, sold the golden goose? I don't know. I mix up metaphors <laughs> all the time, so I don't care. You can lead a horse to all your eggs in the basket. <laughs> I did that. I think I, th I think I said something is on the bottom rung of the totem pole, which I don't <laughs> think is a thing that you can say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've always been terrible. I have a really good memory for things that happen, but I'm terrible at movie quotes or quotes in general. What someone exactly said. I think that's yeah. just different realms of the brain. Yeah. No. Me too. <laughs> different pathways. But. You, you experienced that too, though, right? Like where you were going to this event and then gradually more and more it became more and more about status and someone's identity. Yeah, I did. And I feel like I kind of withdrew um, more from from some of it. Um, the thing about me to remember is uh, I'm not a very competitive person. And it might seem like I'm a very competitive person get a person I don't know I think some people just might feel that way I don't know but I I just I kind of just walk away from perceived competition in certain ways because I just feel like people should kind of be valued for what they are without the comparison stuff so if I get a sense of that I'm probably just going to just kind of distance myself and so I did start getting kind of a sense of that from the scene and I got a sense of that from like the Gamergate stuff and a lot of it became about associations and I kind of watched it felt like in horror that you know people are so guilt by association about everything across the board they stopped listening to what people were saying and they really just and I, I do actually understand why I do understand that a lot of it is because of how people have been hurt and a lot of it is defensive in nature but it's just been like this back and forth just volley of vitriol and maliciousness and um, people if, if you've been victimized enough uh, it doesn't mean that you're going to get better and it's it's almost like people are kind of passing around some kind of uh, ball of blame, you know, trying to figure out who is the biggest victim or who is not. Uh, and it's where the power lies now, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of turned and and it's in the recognition of the problem. People have found empowerment. And then, as always, you know, 
people kind of capitalize on it somehow, mm. especially in this society. So, well, and at that, least it's my observation. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I observed very much the same thing. Like, I, I mean, with the Gamergate stuff, like, it was true. Like, a lot of people who were who became involved with that, at least in the initial phase, like, obviously, they were getting involved for very pretty, like, stupid reasons. Like, I mean, like, the, the initial thing of it was, like, just, like, essentially gossip. But, like, the thing is, like, a lot of those people were very bitter about indie games or something like that, and that maybe some of those spaces being inaccessible. I mean, I've written about this before, but like, there is there was like a lot of people in indie games, and I saw this living in the Bay Area and being able to go to these events and stuff while right. also struggling with being homeless and not having any money <laughs> right. at the same time. Having this like really bizarre experience of going to this super expensive event when I had when I was totally broke and like homeless and just happened to be living in the area where I could go to this thing. Um, uh, so that was very, very strange. And that was, that was like the breakthrough too, because before it really was just such an exclusive kind of thing. Uh, of course, you know, not everyone was vying to be a part of it, but it was still kind of viewed in that way. And now it's kind of blown up to as the, you know, the thing to go to if you want to be the thing, but yeah, but it, like it, it's it's become this thing where I go and like I don't know who's having a real conversation anymore, especially when I meet new people. Like I don't. It always seems like people have interests. They they have perceptions, and those things kind of take over and become so much larger than life. And I, you kind of get a little window into what it must be like to be like, you know, Rihanna or somebody like that. You know, where it's like your your whole life is defined by your public image like you get when you go to those things you get a, like a little sense of that if you have some sort of recognition yeah and people younger um than us uh especially me <laughs> they um i really feel like they kind of have a little bit of a different perspective on that i mean i i was still i was born in the 80s and i lived in a time before the internet and just a little bit of that perspective uh the 90s kids i think um just a little bit different. They, they, you know, they, they were the the kids that had the Barney, <laughs> and I didn't have Barney. I had uh, what was it, Bozo the Clown? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was creepy. He was really creepy. <laughs> have you ever seen him on YouTube? Oh my, oh my lord, that well, guy. It's it like I don't know, like the. Um, of course, Barney turned out to do some bad stuff too. So yeah. <laughs> Doc feature I was talking to like a lot of his stuff is ar around nostalgia and it's like a very particular period of nostalgia which I was like at the tail end of because I was late 80s but, but yeah, yeah see, I'm like is... I'm at the like very oldest of the millennials I'm at the cutoff so I'm just a little bit older than uh, the rest of them just a little bit usually so I kind of have like, a little bit of that that view on it outside I feel still so like, yeah, I guess I feel like my, my view has always been kind of like on the outside a little bit on the perspective yeah it's been unique well I've I've noticed a lot of people who um are around like 30s and 40s who had fairly early ex experiences of the internet who um like they're idea and experience of the internet is so vastly different from what people experience now like my my roommate she's a little bit she's like mid to late 30s um she um 
like it's still sort of part of some communities that um residually that are obviously like older internet kind of like um second life type stuff and things like right that. yeah like she's going to be part of forums there are some forums i know that are people are basically they've grown up together they splintered off actually there there's there's still communities of people that were basically the whole forum was deleted yeah and like entire uh, entire community history is just gone. Yeah, it was all deleted, and but I mean, the the hundred or so people that were deleted, they all just made their own forum, and they still talk there, and they post all the time, and they they're all very solid with each other, and they support each other through stuff, you know. They, you know, it's it's not like like a support group, but what I mean is that you know they they grew from talking about the memes to talking about you know like. Or children. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like showing pictures of their kids or like, you know, talking about, we're still talking about movies, but they all grew up, you know, that they is, all, yeah. for the most part, you know, they all, they, the evolution happened anyway. Mm -hmm. The, the severed arm, it, it peeled itself. Yeah, well, that is interesting because I think that that's definitely a split between communities where, like there was uh definitely something to gain to be gained by uh like like create creative communities that were big enough to where people really cared about being important in that community a lot of those communities ended up splitting up so much and becoming a lot more toxic than ones where <laughs> it's just people hanging out and talking and there is less to be gained from like being cool in this community like especially smaller communities i feel like maybe have more of a, a chance of being like not saying that they didn't have their own like drama or whatever like but they um might have a chance of being more tight-knit just from the virtue of there's less to be gained from you know being a super star in that community yeah it's well you know eventually after a while you kind of realize you know like these people have been in your lives for 10 years and uh i mean do you really think that you I mean you might not have thought that that would be true or really you know thought about it at all but it happened and so like where are they going to be in another 10 years and what i kind of kind of realize is that i'm just i'm just really ready ready to myself kind of uh just you know hover over these things a little bit more um uh, realize that you know there's different kinds of people using the internet for different reasons and it's actually like kind of waves of people and that the older people might be using it for a different reason than i am and you know the kids are going to find a complete different reason and uh we should be concentrating maybe on uh making sure everyone can find you know, the way to uh, be on the internet without feeling too confined. And like Facebook right now, everyone's kind of unhappy with the way these elections are going. Everyone's kind of unhappy with uh, a lot of the ads and all the corporation stuff everyone's unhappy with. So maybe we should just kind of just talk about what to eventually do. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, like having actual productive conversations is really difficult. Like when I was part of, I mean, going from, like, OC Remix community stuff to then, like, uh, when I was part of, like, this queer games thing in the Bay Area, like, which only lasted a short period of time, and we was not called that by people who were part of it, but um, 
it was um, it was very much like uh, I I need to get more exposure for myself. Like I need to you know like there needs to be more people who understand me and like what I'm what I, where I'm coming from and like that kind of stuff. And there was not as much effort in like being like um, okay like let's try and build something and let's try and let you know support anyone who is doing anything kind of unique or weird like there was some kind of like you know this represents games and this you can't uh, so how dare you represent games it's almost like uh, everything represents everything everyone's running for president or something yeah no it yeah, it, it yeah exactly it felt like everyone was running for president and everyone is like no my way is the best way no no my way is the best way no no but but can't you see that my way is the best way and I have like and 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 what ended up happening is it tore itself apart and i feel like that's happened in a lot of those communities too I have a friend who um, who made an indie game and it got really, really huge. And uh, I just felt like um, the moment that people, they get recognition for things, it is like they're running for president all of a sudden. And for better or worse, people are very reactionary on the internet. And we haven't really learned... You know, I think we're really very much in transition as to what the stakes are when we are so reactionary to somebody's like work, piece of art, life, thing they said, a Twitter comment, um, a you know something they did that was caught on video. Um, we really haven't discussed <laughs> what the repercussions of those things are. And I really don't really uh, think that we're ready to. It's kind of like the transitional period is now. We're going to define that once everyone's kind of like all the players are left and we kind of like look back in hindsight and say, wow, we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, we're all experiencing the fallout of it. I mean, like, it's the thing of like, you know, you mentioned your friend who was very successful with this thing, like knowing, having met like uh, at least a couple of people who got very successful um, early on, it's kind of like there's this weird thing of like there's all this community and all this stuff around you, but somehow, and it's like it's always like young young men of a particular type um, in the games community, but like uh, like young white men specifically, um, and. Um, well, almost always young white men. Um, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, um, there's definitely, there still is a struggle for, uh, for women to figure out how to. Uh, well, let's just say, like, I think one of the things that people might want to remember or just keep remembering is that everyone has kind of been raised in a society that sort of has like the same perspective so no matter like where you are who you are what stuff there are certain expectations of you where your role fits and what you're supposed to do but it's not like we don't know what the accepted perspectives of things are mm -hmm. you know i you know i played video games through the, you know male view you know male yeah. point of view that's, you know that's, it's that's not like i point of view that defined everything yeah, so that kind of thing can, you know, you know, as a woman, it makes you wonder, like, what it is to be a man and what all these things in terms of, you know, perception. You know, it's not really, like, something I was thinking about and writing a dissertation on or anything, but it was just something in the back of my mind. I was like, hmm, interesting, along with 
what this person might think about, you know, like my feminine name versus my name that they think I'm a guy and what they tell me versus whatever. It actually is true. I mean, they will talk to you differently, plain as day. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it actually will affect a friendship. It could, you know, I never aim to be deceptive and I would tell people and, you know, every once in a while I'd be like, haha, you know, like that. But it really was, especially early on, especially before people really kind of common knew that Modern Brow was a girl. And if you didn't, it was like, you know, you were very new and I would just kind of go and tell them after a while. But in the beginning, it was just like a social experiment that I was living by just being myself and not. Yeah, you, you, you become you become the social experiment whether you want to or not. Yeah, and it actually kind of messes with your awareness a little bit. You kind of. You feel like, you know, again, you feel like, you know, you're cheating life, what you're supposed to be doing. And it's not really something you can express per se. And you don't actually know if anybody else feels that way about you or not either. Like, the other thing is you don't really know what other people exactly think. You just kind of get the feeling that maybe some people don't approve or that other people do. And they're like, you know, they're on your side or something. I mean, everyone has their own fucked up shit going the on. The point is it's an issue. The point is yeah. even an issue at all. That's but, it. Yeah, going back to just... And I certainly didn't suffer as much as some people did, that's for yeah. sure. Well, yeah, I mean, that that whole thing is really strange, too. I mean, we could talk about that in a second. But, like, going back to what I was saying about, like, mostly these white young men uh, being successful is they... They're successful, but they don't have any way to understand or deal with the sort of, like, fame that they're suddenly getting and the the way that they're being viewed. And so they become very guarded. And, like, yeah, like, boo-hoo, they have lots of money and whatever. But, like, that is the kind of attitude of, like, around celebrities where it's, like, everyone wants a piece of you after a certain point and it becomes extremely hard to trust anyone and especially for these like young men who have never dealt with their feelings like probably like you know they've never really processed this stuff to a to a large degree all of a sudden you have to do everything on the fly and everyone wants a piece of you and you and everyone's judging you for everything you do yeah. I mean, they're, 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 you suddenly, everyone, like, because of the whole gatekeeping thing in a way and because of, like, the aspirations and the dreams thing, people invest into heroes and suddenly heroes. And, and then it's like, I'm the biggest fan of this person and all that kind of thing starts coming out. And, you know, that would drive anybody kind of nuts unless they really like it. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think. Yeah, I think. I mean, you, I think you have to be a Donald Trump type to really like like that. Just like seriously deluded, but like, um, but like, or you just like try to find like the good in everything or something. Uh, yeah, I, I like, suppose, you know, like but whatever. I think like everyone. I don't uh, like. You're probably at some level in denial about it if you're not, um, like, uh if you're not admitting the fact that some of this stuff is very strange and the fact that you go from just being a person to all of a sudden you have all this power, like that's really dangerous, both on the side of like you could do shitty things and you could get away with it. And also you're also under this other kind of increased scrutiny where you are starting to represent something for other people that you don't necessarily have any, you know, way of, like, looking at yourself as representing that or not. Like, people assign you to that particular thing. Yeah, I feel like we kind of are living that out through, like, our movies <laughs> lately, too, and all the 
anti-hero stuff. I mean, comic books were bound to have this happen. I mean, every kind of like medium gets this treatment eventually, but I just, it doesn't seem like any surprise to me that it's all about heroes and, you know, like, the, especially the kids today, they're really, 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 like, I feel like it's almost like a repeat of the 80s in a way, like the G.I. Joe thing in a way. It's, it's, it's an, it's, sorry, sorry, it's an evolved path version of that almost, but it's, uh, the hero setup, um, it might be changing a bit, too, because I don't really feel like America feels that way so much anymore. But the last 10 years, it was very much about, like, fleshing out that story. And eventually, all these comic book movies went from being, you know, like, how they were with Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, or whatever. It looked like a Power Ranger, kind of, to, you know, Avengers and all that, the narrative and stuff, and how everyone appreciates how more in-depth they went as far as, you know... As far as it went, it did go, it did evolve a bit, so. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, um, I, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily one to argue for incremental progress, but I, I'd see, like, things like that new Go Ghostbusters movie as, like, you know, as far as that, you know, it's not perfect or anything like that, but, like, I see that being an example of, like, wow, some, these things that I've been sort of tangentially involved with as far as like Gamergate and harassment and stuff like that these communities where I've witnessed this stuff have are starting to have a weird influence on like the mainstream culture and and that's really bizarre and it's the same thing with like you know well-known indie games like I don't think we'll see it like exactly we don't see it like exactly right away explicitly now but that sort of stuff that sort of start stuff is starting to affect culture in a weird way because people growing up in their that's what they like now and like so there's yeah. these like weird melding of realities together where tech companies like they sort of see themselves as not being like these old guard companies but they're kind of absorbing all that old guard like the way that old guard companies did things um like right you know giant banks and other business other giant corporations um they're all kind of having to have like a to figure out where they stand a little bit. I don't know, like, uh, just kind of shaken up a little. Yeah, and, I it, feel... and it feels like, you know, in the end, they're going to choose money over everything else. Because uh. it feels like it's almost about survival at this point, I feel like. You know, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the IP has come out, you know, and now it's about which IP is going to be, you know, number two, number three, number four. At least that's what people might be planning in their heads, you know, what to do, which is long-lasting, which can be their... Maybe their brand. I don't know. Uh, but it's it's weird because like if you're a person online or something, you're and like you know you might be on the cusp or or you considered a serious like contender of somebody who might be famous or something. Then people expect you to speak to that all the time and uh, you know speak and act as if you were that person. But mo and a lot of people do that, but most of those people never get beyond a certain following or whatever. Right. Right. It, yeah. You're, you. All right. So like, it's almost kind of like this. You know, you're in life, and you're, you know, the whole island in the stream thing. So you're, you have an idea. You have a game. You have a music album. You have uh, art. You have something, cartoon, comic, anything, and in, in this realm of stuff, it's almost like you're planting your flag. You plant it down. You've settled. You know, and everybody else is kind of like moving on around you and everything. So, it is successful but then after a while it's like 
the island that you're on or wherever you settle doesn't really seem as safe anymore. And the money that you made isn't going to go as far as you thought it would because, you know, it, you know, it doesn't. It never seems to. Like, MC Hammer loses all his money. <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, you like, get kind of like... Unless he's like a Jay-Z type and just starts investing in everything and turns himself into a, a businessman, basically. Right, right. You got to either go, it's the, it's not about the art, it becomes about the business after a while. And you have to kind of like say, look around. So like, maybe I should be unplanting my flag and going for number two. Or maybe I should make a sequel. Or maybe I should think of another idea. I'm not feeling creative. You know, like, it becomes who you are, instead of you being a person that made a piece of art, a piece of work, you are a video game artist or you are a music artist or you are a guitarist or a virtuoso it's or like hyper a, hyper specialization exactly and um it, it starts to become about like you know some people i feel like the tone is uh i have six hyper specializations <laughs> <laughs> my hyper specializations are and you know i felt like when i was uh doing publicist work in san francisco that when I was writing resumes or helping people do certain things that it was like I was compartmentalizing all of their stuff and you realize is that's what's happening is everyone is kind of starting to treat people like their resume and that uh, San Francisco started to kind of become that way and that San Francisco people, is extremely that way yeah yeah I shouldn't say starting to be <laughs> slightly become kind of like that a little bit just a tiny bit yeah <laughs> yeah my my like year there was um so you lived you, know, you lived in San Francisco for a year. Uh a little bit less than a year, yeah. So it was it was um it was it was very eye opening in that I uh I felt like I had friends that who were very poor and had no money. <laughs> Me. <laughs> and then Ari he had a he had a tech job and we, you know, we got I mean, basically, it was enough money to live, and that's the secret they don't really tell you about San Francisco, is that a lot of the people that are living there are living in their means because it's so expensive to live yeah. there. Well, I don't think that's as much of a secret now. Not a secret anymore. Not a secret anymore, sorry. In 2013, yeah, yeah. it, it was, was a little bit more of a secret. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm talking in the past tense. So, yeah, so, yeah it, was, it was, that was the thing, and the disconnect between the two parties became greater and greater. By the time we left, I felt like um, we actually got we got kicked out of our place because the HOA decided that the girl that we were subletting our place to, which we had agreed with the landlord, he said we could do it um, to you know be able to make a crazy rent. Uh, the tenant they decided that since she brought an IKEA bag to do her laundry in the public laundry facility in our building that she was too young to live with us and that they made a big stink about it. So she actually was discriminated against because she was uh, a young college student. It was really strange. And we just decided instead of fighting it. And she having was this an adult, right? She was like yeah. 18. Yeah, but I mean, that was what we were dealing with. There was like a war between like different parties and people feeling an invasion in their city from like, you know, these tech people and she was a tech person, but she was a tech girl from Germany. And so they said, you know, she has this Ikea bag and so we don't want her there uh, because we don't want to have like people uh, subletting to people who are younger and 
we were like, wow, this is discrimination. But yeah. we also are getting out of our lease early, and he's not making us. He's giving us our uh, our deposit back. So <laughs> so we took it. And yeah, we they're just like, <laughs> like we're going to kick you out so because we can all automatically find somebody yes. who is going to pay more. And that's what the, he really the whole... wanted to do is he was going to raise the rent. But we decided yeah. since we were, he was going to give us a deposit, and we decided since there was – actually you know there was just a lot of stuff going on you know with like the way the city was going on and it just felt it felt like it was a good idea to just to yeah. do it i mean the, the same thing happened to me in berkeley like we were living i was living in a house which was <laughs> somewhat of a squat i mean we paid rent but it was the same amount for a really long time and we could never agree with a landlord on how much and you know we we're we kind of figured out like what he would have to do to kick us out and all that kind of stuff and like he was just kind of disorganized for a few for years and then like a lot of drama started happening in the house people started calling you know uh like calling the landlord about other people in the house and it became a thing where the landlord wanted to get more involved and the landlord getting more involved obviously meant kicking people out um because it, he he tried to raise the rent on us in a way that was like it would have been more rent but um we could have maybe negotiated and been able to stay there a little longer. But anyway, people ended up getting kicked out and like, um, which we all knew who was going to kind of happen, but it was sad. And they, they gave like a cash settlement, you know, they gave like a little bit of money to people, to everyone who moved out. But like, yeah, I mean, that happens all over. And that, that is the weird thing of like, uh, just like everyone, suddenly everyone wants to be in this space. And like, I felt like very strange. They were converting everything to condos too. It yeah. was like it was like suddenly the space is a commodity. They want them to do Airbnb with it, and they want to make it into like a hotel, basically. And yeah. so they don't want the people living there. And you know, of course, the people are, you know, there's ten people in the place because it's so hard to live there because it costs so much. So they have every excuse to kick these people out because you know it's not meant to have that many people there in the first place, and they're living yeah. kind of in squander. It's just asking for it, and unfortunately. The people that suffer are just all the people that get kicked out, and the property yeah. owners they got well, they yeah. got a lot of money. And and it's and you know in the Bay Area it's uh, mostly Black, Hispanic, Asian families, you know. And the mission got really big. It got like everyone wanted to live in the mission, and all these people in the mission were those people, and it was pretty much basically not really fair and then everyone was kind of pushed to oakland and then and now, all of a sudden now everyone's oakland, moving to west oakland yeah yeah that's what was the thing that yeah. i realized too yeah no it yeah but uh, to go back like um i guess we we should start finishing up at some point <laughs> right right um so <laughs> have so, i covered enough <laughs> yeah yeah i think so I was going to ask you, like, what what are you doing now and where are you at now with, like, online communities? Because I ask partly because sometimes I go back and I listen to old OC remixes and stuff, especially some of the older stuff, and I'm like, there really isn't anything out there that sounds exactly like this. And it might not be, like, quote-unquote, like, you know, technically good or whatever, but there's some there's something interesting that was there, and I feel like needs to be preserved in some way and i mean that community still exists but uh, a lot of those that community has tried to erase its and a lot of those kind of communities has tried to erase its past and yeah. um i don't know like it's really kind of sad to me like i feel like there was something there for a little bit and i have that kind of nostalgic feeling and yet i know that if i go back into the the chat room or try to join the community it's 
like I'm not going to be able to find that connection. Uh, and even the connection that I had at the time was like, you know, maybe not the greatest anyway. But like there was, I don't know. I feel that feeling of nostalgia, I guess. Um, for me, well, actually, um, I can't talk about what I have been doing. Um, but it's with, it's with um, what me and Ari have been doing. Um, we've been doing a project called the Relay Project. I don't know if you've seen that at all on his feed or anything like that. Um, I don't know if I have. All right. So what he's been doing is actually pretty awesome, um, in my opinion. He's been working on a an open source blockchain nonprofit social network. He called it Relay, and... I've been helping him with that, you know, helping with documentation and the idea and, you know, just basically helping him formulate. But he's basically been coding this thing for a while. And we're basically looking for funding just so we can keep working on it. But it basically would be an alternative to all the things I was talking about, the Internet gatekeepers and all that stuff. It, it'd be a way to use the Internet without having to be forced to kind of use the format of Facebook to talk to people and you could kind of import formats instead so it kind of gravitates back towards the MySpace thing where you get to kind of define you know who you are and it uses encryption so it means that well to explain it means that your identity your information just stuff that has been basically hacked um, and released and uh, I basically compromised over and over in the last few years. Uh, we, he, he and I, and he um, coded it and made a system so that it's your information, it's your private key, and you keep it. And um, you use this to talk to people confidentially, and that so nobody can like you know listen to your conversations. You can. He's making instant messenger with it too. So it's actually like a, a big project. I can link you to it on Facebook. Oh actually. yeah, that would be really interesting. I'm sorry I didn't ask you more questions about that. Oh no, I was gonna I was gonna talk about it in the end, but it's just this thing we've been doing. He's been working on it for like over a year now, and we've been kind of you know on the DL about it because it's just been formulative. But now we're finally getting to the point where we actually have an executive summary and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's actually kind of on the cutting edge of all the stuff that people are talking about. Uh, the problem is always, like, finding a way to do it, you know, funding and a way to do it, like... Yeah, and we're going to keep working on it regardless, you know, we're just working on it, but it's always, you know, helpful to get people of like mind involved to understand that, you know, we're serious and we're actually, you know, he actually has quite a lot of it done. If you know anything about blockchain technology or uh, encryption, or it's one of those things that actually is really good, and we should be embracing these things and not feeling scared right now of it. And uh, what should we, we should be scared of is really, well, not, not just scared of, but wary of, is um, just really giving our information to people and not realizing that the Internet seems to be all about identity these days. Well, it's always a performance. Right. So I feel like maybe a lot of the pain that people are going through, if they're going through any kind of like confusion about the Internet, has to do with those things. So maybe they should just be looking at 
you know, why, why should you give these things over? You know, why aren't they just, why aren't we looking at it differently? Mm -hmm. That's all. Cool. Well, I guess we can wrap up. Um, this has been Beyond the Filter, and you've been talking to, I've been talking to. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've been, been listening to. You've been listening to. Pro professional. Uh, you've been listening to Katie Kinkle, uh, a.k.a. Monobrow, uh, and you, you do music. Do you have a music, you have a music page, right? Yeah, I have a SoundCloud. Um, it goes as Robobrow. Okay. So because I'll other Monobrow band you know right. they, they got the dibs <laughs> right well I'll, I'll link to it and just uh yeah keep me updated things going on in your life but um it's been really nice to talk to you i hopefully people got something out of this conversation and yeah it's been really nice thank you for having me on oh no problem yeah it's, it's really been really great to talk about this stuff and yeah so i will see you on the next episode listeners okay All right. bye bye thank you